Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Inside Indy Sports Podcast. I'm Tyler James, and I'm joined by Charleston Bulls. Together, we cover Notre Dame football, recruiting, and more for InsideIndySports.com on the Rivals Network. Eric Hansen's finishing up his final week of summer vacation of as preseason camp for Notre Dame football quickly approaches. The Irish will begin practicing the last week of July, and they'll also host several top targets in the 2025 class as the dead period ends. Perhaps no visitor that week will be more important than our guest on this week's podcast, and that's Mississippi quarterback Deuce Knight. Rivals ranks Knight as the number one dual-threat quarterback in the 2025 class, and he's a priority target for the Irish. Deuce, thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Deuce, we'll ask you plenty of questions about Notre Dame and other specific schools as we get into the podcast, but I wanted to start with this. How How much time do you think you spend on recruiting per day, and how do you prevent that from getting overwhelming? Uh, I really don't know how much time I, I'm not keeping up with all that, but <laughs> I know I do. I do have to call a lot of people every day because you know they can't contact contact us first. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I talked to like four schools today, and yeah, but uh, just for for me not to let it get overwhelming, it's just my coach said sometimes you just gotta take a break. Sometimes you gotta tell them, hey. I'll call you back tomorrow or just just wait until, like, you feel up to call, like, to call the coach or something. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you keep that organized? Like, I, I feel like I would forget, like, oh, I was supposed to call this coach back or I was supposed to call this reporter. How do you how do you keep yourself organized? Oh, uh, uh, I really don't know. I just <laughs> kind of I'm all, I'm using on my phone. I'm on my phone a lot. So it's like, sure. Hey, I I look probably look back at my messages. Oh, uh-huh. I'm supposed to call such and such today, sure. and then give him a call. Sweet, sweet. And then uh, I guess Deuce, how was the summer going for you? I know um you were able to go to the West Coast and kind of compete um at OT Seven Nationals and kind of you know uh, have a good performance there. But you know how how much have you enjoyed this summer and uh, just kind of you know training by yourself, training with your team, and uh, being able to compete. Oh yeah, the summer been it's been very fun. Like just obviously playing seven on seven, and then the workouts at school. You know that's fun because you just get around your teammates, and then you working and you laughing and all that. But first off with the seven on seven, that's been like crazy. Getting to play with destroying his team, then going against going to LA and playing against like the top competition in the nation. Just get to showcase your skill. That's been uh pretty fun, and. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. With that OT7 Nationals tournament, Deuce, I'm curious, what do you, what do you think you gained from those seven-on-seven experiences this offseason that will help you in the fall? Uh, First off, I think just of what you gain by playing the seven-on-seven and then being in the circuit like with the top guys, just uh, you get to see who really competitors and who, who not. Like when the lights get big, who going to shine? Like Because mm-hmm. you're going against like, top guys every every game once you're in OT seven. So it's like, hey, once once you line up, once like say you're a DB, once you line up against Jeremiah Smith, like what you gonna do? So right. Yeah. So uh that's man, uh you gain just just getting reps really like just throwing the ball because you know it's summertime. That's usually when you bulk up, get big, work on things, uh that you're not good at, but just like just getting reps, just keep going. I feel like that's how you get better, just getting reps. Awesome. And then Deuce, a lot of 
kind of like top players um, either tweet about kind of wanting to play with you or um, really like, you know, want to want you to be their quarterback. Um, I guess how cool is that to see kind of other top players tweet about you? And um, what do you think it is about kind of your personality that kind of, you know, attracts others to want to be with you? All right, yeah, see, that, that is one thing, one cool thing about recruiting is like, you, the relationships you gain with other players, like that's considering going to those schools and things like that. But uh, I guess I feel like people want to play with me is because the competitive nature that I got, I hate losing. So if if your quarterback hates losing, that's just going to make you want to go even harder, get better, because you're like, dang, I'm not trying to lose and trying to have dudes get on me. So I think that's uh, one thing like about me, why people want to play with me. Cool. Deuce, I know you had hoped to get back to Notre Dame in June, but you had to reschedule that visit. What made you want to schedule another visit for later this month? Oh, uh, yeah. So first off, when I first went to Notre Dame, my, my uh, mom, she didn't come. It was just me and my dad. So, like, getting up to Notre Dame to let her see the place, get a feel for the people, that's one of the, uh, the biggest parts I need to get up there again. Mm-hmm. And then Deuce, I guess, what is it about, about kind of the uh, Notre Dame coaching staff that you're really liking right now and kind of really like when uh, you talk with them? Uh, so first off, the energy that they bring, like you got Chad, Coach Freeman, Coach Gino, Coach Parker. Like, they bring a lot of energy to recruiting. You know, you can't just go play for somebody that's like, that's just like a dead personality. That's going to make you not want to be there. So, like, first off, the energy and then just how they recruit me, it's like full force. It's not just uh, uh, Coach Gino, he's the quarterback coach. It's, just, it's not just him recruit me. Like, Coach Parker, Coach Freeman, like I said, I talk to Coach Freeman uh, more than any head coach right now. I was just on the phone with him last week and he in Hawaii. So, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And then, like, Chad, Chad, he going to make sure he talk to me, like, almost every day. It's crazy. Coach Freeman's all over the country. I think he's throwing out a first pitch at a Mets game yeah. uh, this, this week. Yeah. So he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's a traveling man. Um, you mentioned Coach Gadouli. What, uh, what is your relationship with, with, with him like as the quarterback's coach? And how much do you want to see what he's able to do with Sam Hartman this coming season? I, uh, me and Coach Gadouli, we got a great relationship. We was just on the phone earlier. He was just sitting out on the porch. I, I think it was Thornton where he was at, but. Yeah, so we got a good relationship. I like just how he just really care about your life and not just football. Like, yeah. I think he mentioned football the one time. He was like, what you got going on? Y'all practice today. And then I was like, nah, uh, our coach is there in a coaching clinic. And then he was like, oh, okay. And then we just, just talked for probably like 15 minutes. So that's how I feel like uh, – that's kind of one of the best ways to recruit a kid when you just show them that you just don't care about the football side. Like, you actually care about what's going on in their life. So, that's one thing I like about Coach Kaduvin. And then just – I'm just ready to see, like, how how he get his guys – get his guys ready. Uh, I know I was up there in practice. He uh, – and I'm sitting through that meetings. Like, he going to make sure they know everything. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just how, how – uh, active he is with like with his guys during the practice I like that like he just don't sit back and watch during the drills like he getting into it and then like, that's it really and then Deuce with you being kind of the number one dual threat uh, quarterback in the class 
Um, what is, you know, Coach Gino like about kind of your athleticism? And, you know, a lot of guys can't, you know, make plays like you. So how do you think that kind of sets you up to succeed at the college level? Oh, uh, yeah. So he just tell me, like, just with my ability to move and, uh, yeah, move is going to just open up a lot of different things. It's going to uh, let our office be able to do a lot of different things and not just, like, stay real stationary, like, get outside the pocket and throw the ball. Uh, running like running packages and all that, so uh, it, it's obviously obviously a, uh, a huge advantage, right? When you have a guy that can run and, and throw. Just what what is your understanding of what Coach Parker wants to do in the with the offense this year? He's he's new. He's a new offensive coordinator for Notre Dame. What's your yeah. understanding of what what the offense may look like? Uh, so on the offensive side, I haven't really talked about Coach Parker a lot with that, but like. From my understanding, like when I was up there in practice, they still gonna uh do the old Notre Dame stuff, running the ball, but like they gonna spread it out more, take more deep shots, mm -hmm. uh, run outside more, and just try to score touchdowns. So, awesome. yeah, yeah, and then Deuce, um, I guess uh, going uh, off my last question, the NFL has kind of transitioned to um a lot more quarterbacks that can move. Um, I guess, do you have any guys that you look up to maybe or, um, you know, things you try to take uh, from certain guys' games? Uh, so my favorite quarterback, he's not playing right now, but it's Cam Newton. So uh, just I always watch him. I watch his highlights almost like every other day. Just watch watch what he do. The competitor that he is, you know, Cam, he don't like losing. But uh, like right now, my uh, favorite quarterback is probably Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, just the throws that they made is crazy. What they could do, like when they get outside the pocket to make a play, not just running, like they throw it across field and try to make a play. So I like that about them. Also, like how competitive they are. And then a lot of kids um, kind of talk about, you know, Cam Newton's 2015 season, uh, that MVP season. Um, I guess kind of what memories do you have of that, you know, growing up being a quarterback and just kind of seeing, you know, Cam Newton on TV, you know, running over guys, but also throwing uh, deep shots. Uh, yeah, so, like, it was one game, I think it was against, like, going back to how competitive he is, it was against the Falcons. It was, like, third and eight. And then Cam probably got stopped, like, four yards short, but he got an extra two. And then, you know, he, like, six five, his arm's so long, and he just stretched <laughs> out for the two. And that was crazy, like. Usually, you're not going to see a quarterback, like you said, running over guys. Like, people try to save their body. They're not trying to run over guys. But like, it was crazy watching Cam just go crazy, like, run, uh, hurdle people. He was hurting people in the end zone and just throwing bombs. It was crazy watching that. Deuce, uh, quarterbacks in your class now are starting to make commitments this summer. Do you feel any pressure to make a decision in the coming months? What's your thought process on when you want to make a commitment? Uh, so and when you see all the people commit, it do kind of like, dang, I probably want to commit. But I'm just, whenever I'm ready, that's when I'm going to commit. I'm not uh, letting other people, because they, like, go, go ahead and get theirs out the way. I'm not going to let that, like, mm -hmm. try to rush me into a decision. But, yes, sometimes, like, you do kind of feel like you want to commit. And I'm like, nah, I'm not. I'm going to wait it out. But uh, I don't. I really don't know when. When I'm going to commit, it's just, like I said, whenever I kind of feel it. And, like, whenever I feel it, I'm not going to waste any time.
Yeah, and then Deuce, um, you know, when you uh, talk to these different schools and make visits, um, I know you brought up your mother and uh, father, um, kind of, you know, getting them to see campus. Um, how important is kind of your family to you in this decision and, you know, making that move away from home? How much do you want them to kind of see where you're going to be at? Yes, sir. Uh, that's a big thing. My family, they're, they're very important to my decision because of how they feel, but they they let me know this 100%. This all your uh, your decision. So, but that is a big thing on why I want to bring my mother up there because my mom, she doesn't like football at all. So she, she like, she cool, like, hey, Deuce, you having a football part. I just want to get up and see how the people are. Like, she just want to get a feel for the people. Like, if you know her, I was just on the phone with Coach Gino, and he, she, uh, she was like, every time I talk to her, she tell me she don't like football. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. She just want to see how y'all are. That's all she want to do, just get up there and just see how y'all, uh, like, just treat us and then just see if y'all like genuine people. Now, Deuce, as I understand, you you've sort of been considering Tennessee and Notre Dame as your top two. What have what have the Vols done to become such strong contenders in your recruitment as well? Uh, going back to like what I said about it, about it being like a a, a full push, not just from like the quarterback coach or OC. Mm-hmm. The same thing over there, like Coach Hypo. I talk to Coach Hypo a lot. Same way I do, Coach Friedman. Uh, the assistant quarterback coach, the receiver coach. I talked to all those guys like a lot. And then just the the fit I think I could uh have in their offense that plays a big part into it. And then to follow up on that Tennessee question, um having a guy like Hidden Hooker get drafted, um Joe Milton is kind of, you know, building a lot of hype going into this season. Um, you know, how how crucial is that to kind of see guys at your position? Um, you know, with Coach Hypo kind of, you know, be developed and turn into NFL draft picks? Uh, yes, sir, for sure. So just going back on Coach Hypo's background, the uh, quarterbacks he's uh, worked with and stuff like that, that's also a big part. Like uh, he he coached Sam uh, Sam Bradford, Drew Locke, uh, Mackenzie Milton, Dylan Gabriel, all those type guys. And then seeing what they did under him, that's that's a big reason on why I'm considering them more too. Deuce, what do you like to do off the field? Obviously, we know how great of a football player you are. But what are your interests off the field? Yeah, so man, I man, Cogino was just talking about that too today because he was like, uh, he wanted he took his uh, kids fishing and then nothing, uh, nothing was biting that day, and I was like, oh, my sister went fishing last week too. And then he was like, you didn't go. And I was like, nah, I don't like to fish. But like where I'm from is the country. So you either fish or you either hunt or you just sitting in that house bored. <laughs> so I don't like to do either of those. So it's kind of crazy like where I'm from. But he was just like, well, we got to find us a new hobby. You got to find your new hobby to do. I, I like to, I guess, play the game or just play basketball from I go to the church and play basketball from not playing football. Yeah, and then Deuce, with those uh, tweets that you sent out, uh, speaking about basketball, kind of they kind of went viral, especially your windmill. Um, I guess what's kind of oh, your yeah. favorite dunk package, if you have one, and um, what do you like most about kind of playing basketball uh, in your free time? Uh, so, yeah, the windmill probably is my favorite dunk. Uh, 
also, I don't know what it's called, but I just be I called the LeBron though. He like kind of take it back like that. But I only did that like twice. And the first two times, I think I did it the first two times. Like got it now. Like, Let me do it again. I got it again, and now I can't. I can't get it. So, but yeah, that's the windmill or that probably my favorite dunk. And then just what I like about basketball. Same thing, like just going out there to compete. Just like I just like to compete and I like to win. So that's probably my favorite thing about basketball. You you gotta just go hard, or the score's gonna show. Like you don't go hard because you're not running back up and down the court. Like it's gonna show on the scoreboard. Deuce, last topic we have for you is what when you comes down and you're ready to make that decision. What are, what are sort of the things that you're paying the closest attention to? that will influence that decision? So I'm paying attention to, like I said, the people, the people that, gonna, that I'm going to be around day in and day out, like how like how it is up there, uh, the the offensive uh, scheme, like how I fit to the offense. I'm paying attention to, like, if they can help me uh, do what I need to get to the next level and, like, how they can – help me be successful off the field. And then just the environment, like, at the place, like, how it feels. But, yeah, that's about it. Okay. Uh, And then I was curious, you're a left-handed quarterback. There, I mean, there are plenty of left-handed quarterbacks out there, but there's not a ton of them. I think more often that you see right-handed quarterbacks is – is that something you ask coaches about, like what their perspective is on, on a left-handed quarterback? Or do you feel like that influences how coaches – Talk to you or treat you? Uh, no, sir. I, I actually had hadn't really asked anybody about that before. That's not a question I ever thought to ask. But uh, <laughs> okay. I went Tennessee. Uh, uh, you know, Coach Hyper, he left handed, so like he gonna bring it up all the time. Okay. All right, Deuce. Well, that's all we got for you. We really appreciate taking time to talk to us, and best of luck with the recruiting process moving forward. And enjoy your Notre Dame visit here in a couple of weeks. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right, now it's time for questions. You can submit questions to us on Twitter or the Insider Lounge message board before every podcast. I'm at TJamesND and Charleston's at CBulls01. First question we have is from Nathan Reynolds at Enforcers2117. Are there any Northwestern players that Notre Dame may go after if they enter the transfer portal based on needs and or recruiting misses? Yeah, Nathan, thank you for the question. I know we've seen a lot of this um, on the Insider Lounge on uh, first, I'm going to kind of tackle, uh, you know, the current players on Northwestern's roster. I think it's pretty late in the process right now uh, with fall camp uh, approaching and Notre Dame feeling good about, you know, their roster and their team and, um, you know, some freshman class um, guys. Um, so I think I'm probably going to leave that uh, open to Tyler if uh, he wants to pinpoint any specific player on Northwestern's team. Sure. Uh, recru- recruits um, wasn't really an impressive class when I, I kind of did some digging um, with guys that they have committed right now. Uh, me personally, I, I did have my eye uh, on one guy, Dylan Johnson, uh, a defensive tackle um, that we know is, you know, a position of need for Notre Dame in the 2024 class um, from nearby Illinois. Uh, he's a three-star recruit and kind of uh, he had an impressive physical makeup, uh, in my opinion. And um, I know he visited Notre Dame in March, but never got that offer. Uh, but he since flipped uh, to Wisconsin um, where he'll play football and wrestle for the Badgers. And um, I think that was really the only guy. Thought Notre Dame might pursue, but then again, um, he kind of you know similar to uh, current commit Sean Siviano uh, Jr. So Notre Dame uh, probably maybe 
uh, felt comfortable at the position and uh, probably wasn't going to kick the tires on Dylan Johnson anyway. Yeah, yeah, Northwestern hasn't necessarily recruited at a very high level with any consistency. So there's, it, when you look at the roster, it's hard to like see a lot of guys that are like, oh yeah, I remember that guy as a recruit. He's a stud. Obviously they they do develop some guys and there's guys that end up being NFL draft picks, but um, there's two guys that are on the roster that I think are talented that I, I was interested in as recruits. Um, 2023 defensive tackle Tyler Gant. Um, is from the same high school as Jeremiah Love in St. Louis. And um, and so I think he's a solid player. I, I don't know that Notre Dame I, – I, I, I guess I should preface this. I don't have any indication currently what that Notre Dame will, will go after either of these guys, but these are just guys that I think may be worth kicking the tires on. Um, and then 2022 wide receiver Reggie Florima. I'm not positive if I'm saying that name right. Um, I think he's a talented prospect as well. Um, just was a freshman this past season, obviously. Um, but I don't know. I, it doesn't. It's not a, a loaded roster. So um, I know everyone's probably looking at AJ Henning, um, who transferred to Northwestern from Michigan. I'm not sure what the transfer rules are there. I mean, my understanding now is that like once your coach gets fired, you have a 30 day window where you can enter the transfer portal. Um, and so it's not the same as, uh like the transfer windows that necessarily apply to those guys in the same way. Although I, I thought that was like when it was during the season and not in the off season. So I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent certain how this is all going to play out. Um, and since Henning already transferred, did, his, did he already, did he lose his one time free transfer? I, I don't really know how that, that would work. Um, and then uh, the one name that I've been asked about a couple of times in the inside lounge was Jack Lausch, a 2022 quarterback who's from brother rice, um in the Chicago area because he was committed to Notre Dame as a walk-on um was going to play baseball I believe as well um but I, I Notre Dame never really gave heavy consideration to, for him to be a scholarship player so I would be a little surprised if Notre Dame decided now that it wanted to bring him in as a scholarship quarterback now maybe he would still be interested in coming over as a walk-on but that would be a little bit surprising given that he is a scholarship player at Northwestern so um I think those are those are the names that I've at least been looking at, but I don't know that there's anything um, imminent as it relates to, to Notre Dame pursuing those guys. And obviously if they're on the roster already, they, they have to get in the transfer portal first. So I don't know that any of those guys are in the portal as of yet. All right. Next question is from at Charles W. Wolf. Who are your guys top? Who are your top guys still on the board for the 2024 recruiting class? And how do you feel about Andy's chances with them? Yeah, so I have three guys at the top uh, of my board. Um, obviously, a couple more targets out there that Notre Dame's looking at. But um, the first guy I have uh, on my list is uh, Gerby Lambert, uh, offensive tackle. Um, and this one I feel the strongest about uh, of my list, um, especially with uh, the connection with his former teammate at Notre Dame. Um, academics check the box. Um, and offensive line coach Joe Rudolph uh, was able to get him on campus. Uh, first official visit weekend. Um, and, you know, from everything that, you know, we heard, it was kind of known that um, Rudolph let Lambert know that they really want him and they see him fitting in at Notre Dame. Uh, the second name on my list is uh, Kingston Vilimuasa, uh, four-star linebacker who has a, a decision coming up very soon. Uh, this one right now, I feel like if he were committing tomorrow, I'd give Ohio State the edge. Uh, so not feeling uh, as strong about this one as I am Lambert. Um, but I do think he's still really mulling over uh, USC and Notre Dame. Uh, like I said on Tuesday nights, 
uh, live show. I think Notre Dame, you know, did their best with him. And um, I think they did anything on there. And I don't, I don't think there was any missteps by the staff or um, I think they, you know, made him and his family feel welcome uh, every time, you know, he came to campus. I just think it's uh, the ball's in his court now. And I think Ohio State uh, maybe has a little bit uh, more of an edge. Um, and then Justin Scott is my final name. Obviously, uh, the commitment that kind of uh, shocked everybody um, a couple Sundays ago. I think uh, this one I, I feel less likely about than the other two just because he's already committed. Um, you know, he's kind of a centerpiece for uh, Ohio State's 2024 class right now. And, um, you know, he thinks that's the best opportunity uh, to develop in, into a high NFL draft pick, which uh, right now defensive line coach out Washington, you know, doesn't have that track record that, you know, maybe recruits want. Uh, but I do think uh, maybe an official visit uh, could be on tap for the fall. Uh, I know a lot of people were saying, you know, maybe that Ohio State game, that, that's kind of up in the air now because um, he's committed to the Buckeyes. Um, but I do think it's probably uh, less like – I know Notre Dame is going to keep pushing, but I just don't see Scott uh, flipping. Yeah, I – those are those are probably and pretty clearly the most talented guys that Notre Dame is still going after. Um, I would say Lambert, Notre Dame has a great chance with. I would say Kingston, Villamuasa, Notre Dame has a good chance with. I wouldn't put him at the same sort of level of confidence that Notre Dame will get him. Um, and then Justin Sky, I would say that they don't have a great chance with him, although they will keep fighting for him. The board isn't very long right now, so there's really only three other guys that I think we're, we're monitoring at this point. I think it will likely expand, especially like the receiver position with Isaiah Canyon uh, exiting the class. Um, so the other guys that we're looking at right now is Davis Andrews, a safety prospect. Um, I think Notre Dame has a great chance to land him. Uh, Caleb Beasley's a corner who's committed to Tennessee. Um, I would say like Notre Dame has like a decent chance with him. I think it's still a bit of a long shot, but um, Notre Dame was hoping to get him on campus. Um, and Bradley Shaw, the linebacker out of Alabama, um, I would say sort of in the same category, a decent chance that I don't know if Notre Dame gets Kingston Billy, I'm honest, I don't know that they're necessarily going to push for Shaw. Um, but if Notre Dame misses there, maybe Shaw becomes of a higher priority and they can pull off what would be, I think, a probably a perceived upset in terms of pulling a kid out of Alabama to Notre Dame. But he was very interested in the Irish following his visits um, so far. He visited in the spring and then returned for an official visit. So someone to continue to monitor, but I don't, I don't know that we're going to know exactly the prior how much Notre Dame's prioritizing him until after Billy Amuasa's decision is announced later this month. Speaking of decisions upcoming, this question is from SJB75 on the Inside Lounge. Please predict the next 2024 verbal commit. Yep, so I think uh, Tyler and I probably agree with this one. I know Tyler um, has put a future cast in for um, this guy, Davis Andrews, who Tyler just spoke about. Um, a three-star athlete, according to rivals, uh, Notre Dame, you know, likes him at safety and uh, safety's coach Chris O'Leary has, you know, kind of, you know, been pushing for him uh, ever since, you know, the blue gold game and uh, getting, him, getting him back on campus for an official visit. Um, as we've touched on before, uh, he probably doesn't arrive until 2026 uh, because of his mission trip. Um, but just, you know, when I do my research on him and watch film and, um, you know, read read stuff about him. Uh, he's a high IQ player um, that understands football very well. I know he had a really strong rivals camp uh, in LA uh, back in the spring that kind of put him on the radar. Um, and, you know, I think he has good length at six three. You would probably like him to uh, get a stronger frame. Um, but I do think with uh, the positional need, um, it just kind of way things are trending. I believe he's in Notre Dame's class. 
um, either by the end of this month or sometime in August. Yeah, I I mean, there's three that I think are possible. It could be Davis Andrews, it could be Gerby Lambert, it could be Kingston Villiamuasa. Villiamuasa is the only one we know for sure when he's announcing, and that's July 23rd. Um, so will he pick Notre Dame? We're not as certain about that, so I don't know that I can pick him, even though that I think it's very possible that he could be the next one of those three to announce. Um, I'll probably go Gerby Lambert. Just because I think Notre Dame's in a good spot there, I, it's impossible. Then Gerby Lambert is not someone that is necessarily gonna make it clear when he's gonna announce. I don't think now. Maybe he will um, finally sort of uh, open up a little bit more here as as his recruiting process uh, sort of winds up. But um, I, I'm gonna go out and I'll, I'll say him, even though I I have like I said, I have you said I have a future cast in for Andrews. I don't know when he's gonna announce either. So neither of those really have us like with any certainty of like how soon they'll decide. Um, but I'll go ahead and say Lambert um, because I, I do think that Andrews might be still like thinking about the Utah situation and, and going far farther away from home. So um, and that may force that to be a little bit of a longer process for him to finally pull the trigger on on a commitment. So I'll say Lambert is the next 2024 verbal commitment. All right, next question we have is from at NWI underscore Irish 96. D-line seems to be the weakest spot so far in recruiting. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think this one uh, kind of uh, – I spoke about it a little bit on Justin Scott's segment. Um, I think this one, you know, recruits need to see Al Washington uh, coach uh, the defensive line group up this year and have a better performance than they did last season. Uh, they want to see him develop guys, um, whether that be, you know, highly talented recruits coming out of high school or, um, you know, maybe – kind of uh, more recruits that were under the radar and that Notre Dame has, and uh, they want to see him develop. I think um, the big thing about D-line recruiting is when you look at kind of the two schools uh, close to proximity to Notre Dame, it's Ohio State and Michigan um, who have, you know, really strong uh, defensive line ties going right now. I think uh, with Aiden Hutchinson, you know, a top draft pick a couple of years ago, and um, obviously Larry Johnson at Ohio State, they're kind of, you know, getting to pick and choose which defensive linemen they get. Um, whether that be, you know, interior or edge guys. And um, I think that's putting Notre Dame at a really big disadvantage right now. Uh, and I think, um, you know, when when it comes to the 2025 board, uh, because I think, you know, outside of Justin Scott, I think we're pretty much wrapped up in 2024. I think, um, you know, you have to put more effort into recruiting um, these guys than they did in 2024. And I think, you know, that shows with uh, who they're getting on campus later this month. And you just have to, if you're out Washington and, you know, Coach Freeman and the staff, you have to sell them on, you know, lay out the plans of the defensive line and, you know, really sell them on, you know, how they're going to uh, become more of a kind of disruptive force this season um, and in in future seasons. And, you know, recruits want to see how they're going to be used and uh, the track record of similar players like them. So I really think it comes down to the guys uh, on the current roster just producing and um, Al Washington turning in a good season uh, on the defensive line front. Yeah, I, I, you are right in that Notre Dame – that could, that could take Notre Dame a long way in terms of being able to improve its defensive line recruiting. I didn't necessarily agree with the premise that it's the weakest spot so far in recruiting. I think you got four defensive linemen in Logan Thomas, Bryce Young, Sean Civilano, um, and Cole Mullins. That two of those guys are four stars, two of those are three stars. I think Cole Mullins is one of the most underrated recruits in Notre Dame's class, if not the most underrated. Um, Sean Civilano got a big bump recently as a three-star recruit to like the lowest level is a three-star to the highest level. So maybe he ends up as a four-star. 
And I really like Logan Thomas and really like Bryce Young. So I, I know like when you Notre Dame loses out on Justin Scott, it's like, oh my gosh, we can't we can't recruit on the defensive line worth a dang. It's like, well, I, I I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Now, can it go to a higher level? Absolutely. Um, but I mean, if we're comparing it to where what Notre Dame has done in the 2024 class of the other position groups, I think I like the D-line class better than I like the safety group. I mean, you have one four-star in Bronte Johnson, and he's a top 100 recruit. So that's a that's definitely a big get. But you get two three-stars in Kennedy Erlacher and Tabron Benny Powell. Are you really that excited about those guys? Now, obviously, if you had add Davis Andrews, that's good, but he's not really coming and impacting Notre Dame anytime soon. Um, the linebacker position, you have a one four-star, one three-star, Bodie Cahoon and Teddy Rezac. I think I'd take the D-line class over that combination as well. Um so, yes, the defensive line recruiting can be better and it should be better, um, but I also don't think it's the the weakest uh, the weakest recruiting effort in the 2024 class so far. What, what do you think about that, Charleston? Do you agree with me or do you agree more with the question? Yeah, I think it could be, you know, some, some type of overreaction when, you know, people see Justin Scott, who, you know, we thought earlier in the year was coming to Notre Dame, kind of not giving Notre Dame the time of day in terms of making an official visit. Um, and I think I, I think people just kind of, you know, went along with that and, you know, kind of thought the sky was falling. But um, I do think safety is probably the worst position when you look at kind of the numbers. And also, um, like if Davis Andrews is in the class, like you said, not an immediate impact. Uh, Bronte Johnson is a great get. And then Tabron Benny Powell, I mean, um, I, I trust the coaching staff's eyes on that one. But, I mean, he, he did just come up uh, kind of on their radar. June. Uh, next question is from at Andy Jeff zero six. Will Marcus Freeman allow Justin Scott to visit during the Ohio state game? I'm sure it wouldn't be an OV, but seems like Notre Dame would just be giving away a free ticket to a game that won't sway him to flip to the Irish. Am I being negative or do you think it's realistic for the Irish to flip him? Yeah, Jeff, I don't think you're being negative at all. And I definitely understand where you're coming from. Um, I think if you're Marcus Freeman in this situation, uh, you just have to gauge uh, the interest that Justin Scott has in, Notre Dame and if you think it's genuine you don't want to turn away that type of talent uh, from visiting campus um, if you think you know there's a really uh, inside track to flip him um, but as it stands right now I think um, you know he's kind of locked into Ohio State and um, I don't see him scheduling that visit but um, you know the Ohio State game it seemed good at one point uh, when I thought he was leaning toward uh, either Georgia or Miami um, and Notre Dame was kind of the one Midwest school he was considering um, but I think now that he's committed to Ohio State and, you know, Notre Dame will be suiting up against that same school um, in a pretty big game. Um, I do think it's kind of a, a sticky situation that, you know, the, the coaching staff has to make sure Scott um, is actually in on uh, a possible flip before um, they, you know, schedule a visit to campus. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's I would invite him like what's the I the only, the, the only negative that could come from that is like if you think that he's going to be actively recruiting for Ohio State when he's at the Notre Dame Ohio State camp. Now, that would be pretty surprising and pretty bold of a kid to do that. Um, and I don't have a sense that Justin Scott is that kind of a kid. So if he was coming to the Notre Dame Ohio State game, I think he would be doing that, giving Notre Dame serious consideration. Um, so I would still let him come. It's not like you have a scarcity of tickets. I, I mean, yes, there are a limited number, but it's Notre Dame can get its hands on plenty of tickets for recruits. Um, and while there will be plenty of other recruits that want to come for that game as well, I still think you make room for Justin Scott um, if he wants to get on campus for that visit. Because if you if 
if you think you could still recruit him, like you're, if you don't let him come, like, are you really going to ever have a shot with him after that? Like, I don't know. Do you just like try to, I mean, I guess maybe you try to play your cards later in the season and say, why don't you come for the USC game or something else? Um, but I don't know. I, I would, I would let him come. Um, and then what, what if you beat Ohio state? Like, isn't that the best possible outcome? Like Justin Scott's on campus and you beat it, you beat the team he's committed to. Um, I know obviously the opposite would be the case, but the worst that could happen is you don't have him in your class, which is how you entered the week of that game to begin with. All right. Next question is from Brady L on the insider lounge. I'll be that guy that asked if you have heard any news on how the freshmen look. Yeah. So I, I think I'll have more clarity personally once uh, fall camp starts, um, but just going back to the spring and, you know, the time um, I was around the program in the blue goal game. Um, I'd say the one guy for me that I'm you know most intrigued by is Jaden Greathouse um, wide receiver. I think he can really make an immediate impact um, as a freshman and kind of, you know, uh, be a comfortable, reliable target for Sam Hartman. Uh, so that's one freshman I'm really keeping my eyes on uh, this fall camp. And, um, you know, I think it, that momentum from the spring, um, I, I think it'll carry over, uh, you know, for an instant impact. Yeah, I'm guessing Brady wants some of the juicy stuff on the guys that arrived in, in June. I haven't asked much recently, like here in July, um, about guys, but the early feedback on guys that I had heard look good was, the defensive ends, Brennan Vernon and Bubakar Treor, uh, running back Jeremiah Love and wide receiver Caleb Smith. There was some positive buzz about how those guys looked when they got on campus and, and got into some workouts this summer for Notre Dame. So um, given that we're so close to camp starting here, uh, I'm not spending a ton of time like, hey, what what's going to happen here in two weeks? Um, because we're going to be able to see them for ourselves. Um, but those are some of the guys that I've heard good things about and uh, – We'll be interested to track um, as we get into preseason camp here at the end of July. All right. Next question is from Marie Biafore at Biafore underscore Marie. Of the three big games on the schedule, which do you think Notre Dame will win and which do you think they will lose and why? Do you think they are more likely to go 3-0 and or 0-3? Yeah, so I'll start with the back half of this question. Um, I think they're more likely – uh, to go 3 0 just because of the quarterback upgrade that they made uh, this offseason uh, with Sam Hartman. I think, you know, that, that's why Coach Freeman and, you know, the offensive staff brought him in to kind of win these big games and get them over the hump. Um, and I guess when I look at the games and to answer the part of, you know, which do you think they'll, they'll lose and win, um, I think the one win that I'm most confident in is USC, uh, just because personally I'm not really uh, as high on U- as USC as, you know, maybe others are this year. I think, you know, their play style. Um, isn't capable of, you know, sustain, sustained success. And I think by this point in the schedule, um, when you look at their schedule, they really haven't played a, a team caliber um, of Notre Dame um, until they get to South Bend. And I just think the physical nature that, you know, Notre Dame, um, you know, fans hope that they have this season. Um, I think that, you know, puts them you know, over the edge and just kind of the matchup. Um, and I think, you know, USC, it, it, it's kind of a real factor, you know, South Bend in October, um, the players aren't used to that. And, you know, they're going to have to get used to it because uh, they'll be joining the Big Ten next season. But, you know, I do think that colder weather uh, could impact the game. Um, and then moving to Ohio State, um, I think similar to USC, if you kind of analyze schedules, Notre Dame is kind of the first big test for Ohio State. Um, I believe they open up with IU, uh, Youngstown State, and Western Kentucky. Um, and I think Kyle McCord wins the job. Um, and this will be kind of his first big game atmosphere. Uh, with it being on the road, um, I think that environment could play a part. 
Um, I know a lot of, you know, fans are going back and forth on, you know, how many Buckeye fans will fill up the stadium. And, you know, we still have to see that. Um, and I think Ohio State does have, you know, the talent edge on paper. I'm in the higher end uh, skill players. Um, but, you know, like I said earlier, I think, you know, Sam Hartman was brought in to win these type of games. Um, and so I think, you know, after USC, uh, that's probably the next uh, closest win I have um, for them. But I am picking them to lose that game. Um, and then finally, Clemson. Um, I think Clemson, you know, will remember last season. Um, and I, I'm a fan of Cade Klubnik, Klubnik uh, sophomore quarterback. Um, he'll be the, you know, full-time starter for the first time in his career. Um, but one thing to watch in the Clemson game, even though I have them losing right now, uh, Clemson the week before plays at NC State. Uh, and NC State um, has given Dabo Sweeney's team's problems a lot in the past. And um, there's, a you know, a really good environment in rally. So, um, I think that could be, you know, a sneaky game uh, if Clemson were uh, to, you know, play either either a close win against NC State um, or a loss. Um, I think that, you know, could be a shot uh, for Notre Dame to win. Uh, but right now I probably have uh, one and two with the win uh, coming against USC. All right. Um, we are the opposite because I, I think Notre Dame has a better chance to beat Ohio State and Clemson. And I think the USC game will be the toughest. And to me, it, 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 it all comes back to the quarterback. I think Notre Dame can and likely will have a, the better quarterback in the game against Ohio State and and Clemson. Um, I don't think that they will against USC, although it wouldn't be shocking if Sam Hartman played better than Caleb Williams in a game. Um, but I'm not ready to predict that Notre Dame can beat Caleb Williams, even in Notre Dame Stadium, with what he did to Notre Dame last year. Um, Notre Dame will need a bit of a better game plan. And you would hope that Notre Dame does come up with one, but um, with so many uncertainties about what the other parts of the, those teams are going to look like, I think I just sort of have to default to the quarterbacks um, at this stage. Um, and yeah, Kate Klubnik was, was a highly recruited quarterback. Um, but I, I think I still would take Sam Hartman over him. I, I, if Cle- <laughs> ask Clemson what it's like to defend <laughs> Sam Hartman last year, they didn't have a great time trying to do that. Um, so Ohio state, I mean, maybe Ohio state will have great quarterback play, but, um, you're replacing CJ Stroud and there's no guarantees there. And obviously Ohio state has had plenty of success with just plugging in the next quarterback and plugging in the next quarterback. But, um, I'm not, I'm not going to just sort of blindly assume that's the case, especially when Notre Dame played them pretty tough last season. Um, and, uh, We'll see how that that pans out this year. I think it would be more beneficial for Notre Dame to play Ohio State right out of the gate with a with a new quarterback, um, sort of like Notre Dame had to deal with when it went to Ohio State last year. So Ohio State will at least have its feet under itself by the time it comes to Notre Dame Stadium. Um, but uh, that's that's my prediction: two and one um, with USC the 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 likely loss of those of those three games. So given that. Uh, knowledge, I would say that they're more likely to go three and zero because they have the better quarterback in at least two of those games. All right, our last question is from Nathan Reynolds at Enforcers twenty one seventeen with his second question of the podcast. Where is the Kenny Minchie love? I feel like I keep hearing Sam Hartman to CJ Carr and or go get another transfer quarterback next year and then Carr Minchie is a four star elite eleven QB just like Carr. Yeah, Nathan, thank you for the question. Um, and I agree. Um, I think when you look at Mitch's recruiting profile, he, you know, he demands our attention. Um, and, you know, in my opinion, he has my attention. I think, you know, sometimes uh, fans can just see other fans kind of 
um, you know, talk about CJ Carr and think, you know, that's how Notre Dame's coaching staff feels. But um, I don't feel that way. Um, you know, we'll get to see how he develops in fall camp. And I think having a guy like Sam Hartman, um, an experienced guy who's kind of been through the trenches, um, you know, to mentor him uh, would do wonders for him uh, after Hartman leaves. And, you know, the blue goal game, it wasn't really a good sample size because of the weather um, and the limited action uh, that he got. Um, so you have to take that into account. Um, with that being his first kind of live game action. Um, but I'm a firm believer, you know, this time next year when Sam Hartman has moved on um, and Notre Dame, you know, is confident in their quarterback room. Um, I think it's an open competition. I don't think, you know, they're just going to hand CJ Carr the job. Um, I think that's more of kind of a, a social media driven thing by fans. Um, the coaching staff, you know, took Minchie in for a reason. Um, and, you know, that was to uh, become a starter at Notre Dame and help them win football games at a high level. Um, so I think, you know, you're not – you're not, you know, off base to uh, bring up Minchie. And I think we'll have a better, better grasp of, you know, him and fall camp. And I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, I I understand it because I think everyone knows who CJ Carr is. I mean, he's been committed to Notre Dame longer than Minchie has. Um, I do think, like, they're not both four stars. Like, like the question said, they're both four-star elite 11 quarterbacks. But I, they're not the same. Carr is the highest ranked four star who could very well be a five star. Um, and Minchie was never really in that stratosphere as a recruit. Yes, they were both elite 11 recruits, but to say that they're the same, I think, is a little disingenuous. Um, even though I do like Kenny Minchie, and I'm not ruling Kenny Minchie out as the guy, the next guy after Sam Hartman, I think it's probably too much to assume that, that CJ Carr is going to come in a freshman, come in as a freshman and, and become the starter right away. Um, but I think it's just sort of the, the way recruiting works, the guy that's more higher ranked, people are going to be more high, more excited about the guy you've known longer and the anticipation builds longer because of what CJ Carr represents and how big of a recruiting win that was. He's he's he matters a lot to a lot of Notre Dame fans. And so that's why he's he, he always gets brought up um, as sort of the next in line. But I do think Kenny Minchie will have a chance. And obviously there's Steve Angeli there, too. I know Steve Angeli fans would be like, well, wait, where's the love for Steve Angeli? I, I don't think he's the most talented of the of the of that group, but he'll certainly have the most experience at Notre Dame. Um and we'll see if he can um end up winning out the winning the job. I think there's gonna be a, a very healthy competition next spring and we'll see how it plays out. All right, that's it for today's episode of the Inside Indie Sports Podcast. If you don't already, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and other popular podcast platforms. If you like what you hear, give us a star rating, leave a review, and share our podcast feed with the cashier at your local grocery store. Um, Eric may have another podcast for you next week, but we'll definitely be reunited that last week of July, which will put us back on a weekly schedule through the season. So we hope you're ready to hear plenty from us soon. Charleston and I recorded another Football Never Sleep show on YouTube earlier this week. You should have seen that in the podcast feed already. Um, so if you haven't or have already listened to that, regardless, please head over to our Inside Indie Sports YouTube channel and give us some likes some comments and subscribe to us for free over there. And as always, we'll continue to have plenty of Notre Dame football and basketball recruiting coverage coming your way. So stick with InsideIndieSports.com for all your Notre Dame coverage needs. <laughs>